It has certainly been a great morning. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you all being here today as we have come together to encourage one another to worship our Father this morning. To those who are visiting, thank you. You are our guest. Thank you for being here. If you have any Bible questions, please let us know. We'd love to study with you. Well, I want to begin by saying this, that you will be reminded of it just by doing a simple search on the internet, and I'm referring to the fact that for many people, it is Pride Month. This is the month that those of the LGBT community have chosen to commemorate the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots in 1969, which occurred at the end of the month of June. And as a result, many Pride events are held this month to recognize the impact of the LGBT people around the world. And I've seen articles on on news websites celebrating this month and this lifestyle, and I'm sure you have seen that as well. I've also seen some really um, terrible things uh, from articles of citizens wishing individuals uh, terrible things to happen to them for those who practice this lifestyle. And that certainly is not Christ-like. I've seen on social media sites like LinkedIn.com companies that have changed their logo to the the pride flag this month, and I'm sure you have seen that as well. And I've heard a lot just concerning this this issue and this lifestyle over the last month. Last week, a brother in Christ texted me a photo of a church uh, which had a pride flag hanging outside of its entrance. And I wasn't really too surprised with that because many of the arguments today with respect to this lifestyle are coming from the Scriptures. And many churches today, unfortunately, Uh, are endorsing this lifestyle uh, and this behavior. Uh, This past week, I listened to a sermon by Jeff Wilson. He did a powerful lesson uh, dealing with this topic. You can find it at the Kleinwood Church of Christ website, uh, kleinwood.com, and it was called Don't Eat the Cake. It was a powerful lesson about influence and what Christians need to know. Uh, Last week, a sister in Christ shared with me how someone said to her on Facebook, This woman said to her, do you believe the earth is flat? If someone believes homosexuality is a sin, that is ignorance, plain and simple. Think about that for a moment. I've had a lot of different thoughts about this month, about homosexuality and and Pride Month, and I want to talk about it for a few minutes this morning. Now, before we dive into our lesson, I do believe it's important to teach, and hopefully you do too, to teach and to be reminded and convicted about what God has to say about this lifestyle, just as we do with a variety of other issues. Two weeks ago, I did a sermon uh, dealing with modesty. Uh, Lord willing, I'll be doing some preaching on alcohol. We've talked about marriage and pride and anger, and we talk about a variety of things with respect to what the Bible has to say from this pulpit. And so this should not be any different. And I think about the Apostle Paul. We open your Bible to Acts chapter 18. You think about, and this is one of the reasons why going through this Bible reading is going to be so powerful, because you're going to get to see where Paul went. You're going to see the courage that Paul had. You're going to see the individuals that Paul spoke to who struggled with a variety of sins. You're going to see how hearts responded to the Word of God. The Bible helps us to see in Acts chapter 18, as Paul was in Corinth in verse number 1, he would stay there for a span of 18 months. In verse number one, in ver- I'm sorry, in verse number eight, rather, the Bible says, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all of his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. See, that's how men and women were saved in the first century. They heard the good news of Jesus. Certainly they would hear about sin and how they would need to repent of their sins. 
They believed in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. They were baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Later on, as Paul would write to the saints in Corinth, he would shed some light about who they used to be, how they used to live, but now who they were in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want you to notice what Paul said here. Now, the Corinthians still had great work to do. They still needed to grow. Many of them were still carnal in nature. That's what he spoke about in chapter 3. But he did call them saints in chapter 1. They were in Christ, and while they needed to grow, he also reminded them of, of who they used to be and the fact that they had been justified by the blood of Jesus. Paul said in verse number 9, or, or Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. He said this is not going to happen if you live in this manner. But notice what he said in verse 11. Such were some of you. There's the good news. Such were some of you, but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And so what Paul helps us to see, those individuals who heard and were believing and were baptized, there were a variety of issues that they had to address and that they would have to repent on. And you think about some of the things that we teach here at the West Main Congregation, we, talk, we touch on all of these issues here. And so it should be no different as we consider talking about this topic this morning. But I will say this, that I believe we have reached a point in our society where this behavior is not only to be tolerated and accepted, but now it's almost to be promoted. And there can be some consequences if, if, if people do not do that or believe that. So how are we going to respond? What do we need to remember? What should we be thinking about as we see just so many different things around us, whether it's in the news or with friends, with our peers, whatever the case may be. How do we navigate through this? As I was thinking about this month, I had two thoughts that really come to mind, and I want to share these two thoughts with you as we think about Pride Month and the topic of homosexuality. The first big thought I want to share with you is this, and that is that truth doesn't change because people are allowed. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Number one, it is important to remember that God and his word are still the standard. Do we believe that? God and his word are always going to be the standard. There is, brothers and sisters, such a thing as truth. There is something as, uh, such a thing as right and wrong, and we can know what is true, and we can know what is false. I'm listening or reading what Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you want to turn there with me, and then we're going to look at John chapter 17. I'm going to put these Bible verses up here if you want to write them down as we talk about them just for a brief moment. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, and there's so much in this chapter that we don't have time to dive into, but I want you just to hold on to this fact here. Number one, Jesus said this as he was speaking to the people. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Number one, we can know the truth. We can know truth. We can know what is right and what is wrong. And as Jesus would speak about in John chapter 17 and verse number 17, as he was praying to his father, turn over there and listen to his words here. As he prayed for the apostles, as he would pray for the entire world, he said in John chapter 17, verse number 17, sanctify them in the truth. 
your word is truth. And so as we think about this topic and really any other conversation or topic, we need to know, number one, that God's word is true, that we can know what is right, we can know what is wrong. We can know what God approves of, and we can know what God does not approve of. And as we think about the topic of Pride Month and homosexuality, God has spoken with respect to this behavior and to this lifestyle. When you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it is very clear that this behavior and lifestyle is sin in the eyes of God. It is sinful in the eyes of God. It is not something that is approved by God, and it is something to be rejected just with the other things that are listed in verse number 9. Again, he said in verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's what the scriptures say. That is what we need to believe. This behavior is sinful, and it is to be rejected. Now, one of the biggest arguments that still is out there, well, you know, you know God is love, and so he's going to accept everything. Well, God loves all men. But he does not approve of this lifestyle. And the Bible is very clear about that. The reason why we need to really make sure that we hold on to this truth is because the, the shouts are getting louder. The, the, the noise is getting louder that, that God approves of this, that it's not a big deal, that Jesus approves of this lifestyle. And the Bible says that is simply not true. We need to believe this. We need to believe what the Bible has to say because the world wants us to believe otherwise. It's all around us. The world is loud when it comes to this lifestyle. I think about the major companies that endorse and promote this lifestyle, and there's marketing about it everywhere. And again, sometimes people can, can think when we start talking about this subject, well, you're just kind of focusing on, on this group of people. No, you could, you could say this for so many other uh, sinful behaviors out in the world. Think about all the beer commercials that are out there and the impact of the beer commercials. Josh and I now, when we see a beer commercial, we go like this. We don't buy into that right? But that's what young people, that's what they want. They want the young people to buy into that. And we need to make sure our children understand, no, we're not going to buy into that. We're not going to buy into this type of lifestyle, this type of behavior. It's not right in the eyes of God. And it's not just with the beer commercials. It's not just with alcohol. It's even with topics such as this. So many people are loud about their approval and endorsement of this behavior. And I will tell you, the approval can be so overwhelming that many want to shy away from even proclaiming the truth about this matter, or maybe even doing some topics or sermons like this. But I will say this, brothers and sisters, just because others may be loud and outspoken about this lifestyle, it does not change the truth. And there are a couple of passages that come to mind. The first is going to be found in Matthew chapter 27. We've already looked at 1 Corinthians 9. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27. I'm thinking about our Savior. Remember the last moments of his life in Matthew chapter 27? I just want you to think about something here as we think about our first thought concerning this issue. In Matthew chapter 27, and we'll just read this, and I want you just to kind of ponder some things. Beginning in verse number 15, the Bible says this, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any, other, any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? 
For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. Should have listened to his wife. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then then what shall I do with Jesus? who was called Christ. They all said, crucify him. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather that a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See that to yourselves. And all the people said, his blood shall be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. What's so fascinating and sad about that passage, number one, they said we'd rather have a murderer around our kids walking the streets than, than release Jesus. Can you think, think about that for a second? We'd rather have a known murderer walk in the streets so that Jesus can be crucified. Notice the second thing when you read that or when you heard that. The crowd kept getting louder and louder and louder. Crucify him. Now, just because they got loud and just because there was almost a riot and just because that was the majority of what what people were saying, crucify him, it didn't change anything about who he was. It didn't change the truth of the fact that he was sinless. It didn't change the truth of the fact that everything he did in his life was perfect and good, and he had done the will of God. The majority didn't change any truth concerning Jesus. But that's what's happening around us today, where so many are loud about this lifestyle and about this behavior, and and they want everyone to buy into this. Brothers and sisters, truth does not change just because people are loud. In Acts chapter 19, I think about Paul when he was in Ephesus. Again, look at Acts chapter 19. I want you just to to read along with me, please, here in Acts chapter 19. And I think it just kind of demonstrates this example that just because the crowds may be loud and just because others may buy into a certain belief or view, it does not change the truth of a matter. In Acts chapter 19, and we'll pick up the story here in verse number 23, the Bible says about that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Not only is there danger that this trade of ours fall into uh, disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. Then, or when they heard this and were filled, they were filled with rage. They began crying out saying, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city was filled with the confusion. And they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. And when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him. 
Also, some of the, the Asiarchs who were friends of his sent to him and repeatedly urged him not to venture into the theater. So then some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and the majority did not know for what reason they had come together. Some of the crowd concluded it was Alexander, since the Jews had, had put him forward, and having motioned with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from them all as they shouted for about two hours, Great is Artemis! of the Ephesians. There was noise. It was loud. The majority were saying the same thing. Great as Artemis. Great as as this God here. Paul, what Paul is teaching cannot be true. Well, they may have been loud, and there may have been a majority, but brothers and sisters, it didn't change the truth about what Paul taught. It didn't change the truth about the resurrection of Jesus. It didn't change the truth about the true and living God. And I'm just saying this because I want to share with you that during this month, and not just in this month, but in general as we continue on, you see so many that are outspoken and bold about this lifestyle and want others to buy into it. And it can almost feel like the majority agree that there's only a few people who actually disagree with this type of, of lifestyle and behavior. But I will say this, that despite the endorsements, the speeches, the stories, brothers and sisters, the truth has not changed. God's word is still right. God's word is true. God has shown us in his revealed word what it is that we are to believe. And we cannot be deceived by the crowds. We cannot be deceived by the so-called majority. But I will say this, it can be tough not to be intimidated by the crowds. It can be really challenging, especially for young people, not to be intimidated by the crowds. And one of the things that I'm so impressed by Paul and the other saints is what you read about in Acts chapter 20. You know, I typically go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 6 and 7, which is good, and we can look at that. But what's interesting is that after this uproar, after it all died down, even though they were in the minority, even though there was almost a riot that began to take place, what do we find the saints in the first century doing in verse, 20, in verse 1 of chapter 20? After the uproar had ceased... Paul sent for the disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. You see what Paul did? You see what the saints were doing? Despite the, the crowds around them and despite the opposition, they held on to the truth. They remained steadfast with God. They continued to do the work of God. In verse 6 and in verse number 7, they continued to worship God. And that is the mindset that we must have as we think about what's taking place during Pride Month and in life as a whole. We need to make sure that we hold on to the truth and not be willing to sell it. We know the truth about what God desires for men and women and how we are to live our lives. And that's exactly what Paul and the other saints did. There was an article I saw, and I'm not being funny by any stretch of the imagination, an article about the explosion of individual sexuality. And there are 28 different categories today of how people describe themselves with respect to their sexuality. Brothers and sisters, this is what's being promoted. This is what's being shouted. And and people are allowed about this. But it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change what Moses wrote in in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. That in the beginning, God created male and female. Man and woman. It doesn't change what people may be shouting or endorsing. 
That marriage is still for one man, one woman. That the sexual relationship is for a man with a woman in marriage. That's God's design. That's what Jesus endorsed. That's what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 19. As he was having a conversation about divorce, he went back to the beginning. And this is something that we need to make sure that we hold on to. The truth does not change because individuals may be loud about something. It doesn't change. That's why we need to make sure we hold on to it. In Matthew 19 and verse number 4, he answered and said, he was asked a question about divorce. He answered and said, have you not read? We need to stop right there. Because a lot of people just simply have not read the Word of God. A lot of people have simply not read the Word of God. And we need to make sure we continue to read the Word of God and trust what God has to say. Have you not read that He created them from the beginning? Listen to what He said. Made them male and female. He made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Listen, that's the truth of the matter. That what God did in the beginning, he created male and female. And brothers and sisters, this is what we need to hold on to. It's interesting just kind of keeping track of what has taken place almost the last 19 or 20 years. I believe it was 2015 when uh, same-sex marriage was approved uh, and now accepted in all 50 states, if if I'm remembering correctly. It was only a few short years ago, though, that one of the biggest arguments was I was born this way. It was only a few years ago that this was one of the big arguments about that. But now, for so many, sexuality is now fluid in nature. And so if one person wants to behave in this manner, they can, they can decide that they want to behave in another manner. And what we have seen here is that, that, that this whole phrase and idea and theme, I was born this way, was simply not the case. Just because people are allowed about something, it does not change the truth of the matter. And the second thought I want to share with you is this, and then we'll wrap this up. As we think about some thoughts from Pride Month and the Word of God, what one believes will have consequences. What a person believes will have consequences. You see, what people believe, it it matters. And what we believe, it truly does matter. And there are people in the world, sadly, who have believed the lies of the devil. You can name the topic, you can name the sin, and they, unfortunately, they have believed the lies of the devil. When it comes to, to this particular topic, many today look at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and say, listen, that's, that's simply not the case. That's not it. That's not right. That's outdated, and, and surely no one buys into that. But when people believe things, we need to understand that there are consequences, both good and bad. And what you will see when you begin to even do research or, or seeing how many, in particularly young people, who have believed these lies that have been promoted and the, the, the impact that that has had in a negative way in their life with regards to how so many of them harmed themselves. And you can just go online and look and you can find a variety of studies on this. What a person believes, it really does matter. And there are consequences to what we believe. I think about the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. Turn over to Numbers chapter 25. In Numbers chapter 25, these were the people of God. They didn't stand for the truth. And they were influenced by people around them. What they believed had consequences. 
This is something that we all need to think about. We find in verse number one that while the Israelites remained, the people began to to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel joined themselves to Baal and Peor, and the Lord was angry against Israel. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you slay his men who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation and took a spear in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through the body. So the plague of the sons, on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. I'm just using this example here because I want you to see God's people had the truth. And they decided not to hold on to the truth when it came to how they were to conduct themselves. When it came to how they were to interact with these nations around them. And they were deceived and bought into the lies with respect to sexual immorality. And there were consequences. There were long-term consequences because of their beliefs and because of their rebellion that they had. And as we think about Pride Month in the future, what we see in our world, we need to know that what we believe and what others believe will have consequences. Both short-term and if not careful, long-term consequences of individuals are not willing to turn from their wicked ways. That's what God ultimately desires. He doesn't desire that any should perish, but that all repent and that all will be saved. Now, the question for us is, what are we going to believe? You think about the, the, the society and the world that we find ourselves in. What are we going to believe? I've already used that verse here. I want you to really think about this for a moment. Are we going to compromise Are we going to compromise what we believe as the crowds and the shouts get louder? As the pressure to maybe conform, to agree, to endorse becomes stronger? Are we going to believe that? Are we going to buy into that? Are we going to continue to believe the word of God no matter what the cost may be? And I will tell you, I think as we continue on, the cost is going to get greater. Will we shy away at our jobs praying no one asks us what we believe or think about this issue? And fear of being isolated or even one day losing our jobs. Are we going to do the same when it comes to our family? Or brethren? Brothers and sisters, if we believe something to be true from God's word, we, we, we have to stand on it. It's not, up for op- it's not up for debate. But we have to decide, what are we going to stand on? If we believe it to be contrary to God's word, then we can't. But our, con- our beliefs will have consequences. I have the passage up there. From Hebrews chapter 10, the saints uh, that the Hebrew writer wrote to, they were in need of encouragement. When you read the last part of this book, the Hebrew writer was encouraging them not to fall away, encouraging them not to, uh, to fall back. And you look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 32, he said, But remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches, and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. They went through tough days because of who they were and because of what they believed. And this is going to happen to us. Make no mistake about it. 
There's a line that has to be drawn in the sand about whether or not we're going to fully follow Jesus and what he has to say in his word. Make no mistake about it, persecution is, is a part of Christianity. You've, we've seen it since the first century. And while it may come in a variety of shapes and sizes, it is something that we need to be aware of. I'm thinking about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. Will you turn over there with me, please? In Luke chapter 12, verses 51 through 53. In Luke chapter 12, we read this a few weeks ago or maybe a couple of months ago. In Luke chapter 12, verses 51 and 53, if we're disciples of Jesus, we must take up our cross and follow him. And the teaching of Jesus, the gospel, has a way of, of creating a line and causing division, what, who Jesus is and what he taught. He, Jesus said, do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. There are going to be some difficult days that we're going to face, and division when following Jesus will often happen. But if we believe Jesus to be the Son of God, if we believe God's word to be true, brothers and sisters, we have to stand for truth no matter the consequences, no matter who the person may be, no matter how close they may be. And we do that, obviously, with truth and love and compassion. We're not talking about being evil-spirited or mean or anything like that. That's not Christ-like. We're to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. But we're all about pleasing our Father in heaven and not man. And we've got to make a decision whether or not we're going to fully buy into that and believe what the Word of God has to say. Because what we believe, it really will have consequences, for better or for worse. You know, I think about Paul. Paul believed the gospel and the power that it had. It didn't matter who Paul came across when he went to the city of Corinth. It didn't matter who he came across when he went to the city of Athens or Ephesus or all the other cities that he went to. You know what Paul believed? He believed the power of the gospel of Jesus. That's what he believed. Do we believe the same? You see, what we believe, it really does matter. Do we believe the gospel has the power to save souls. That's what Paul believed. When he went into the city of Corinth, he faced a a, a number of individuals who were engaged in a variety of sins. But you know what he preached to them? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And that, my friend, is what we need to hold fast to. As a result, we know the answer to this. Souls were saved. Such were some of you. People changed. They repented. They stopped conducting themselves in, in certain ways. It didn't matter who Paul came across. He preached the gospel to them with truth, with love, with compassion, and souls were saved. As I think about Pride Month, I think about the gospel. We have the truth. We have the word of God. And so let's share it. Let's talk about it. Let's not be ashamed of it. This should be the natural response to a world that is hurting. And we live in a world where many people are hurting at this very moment, who are in need of deliverance from the dominion of Satan. Somebody will say, man, those words sound pretty harsh. They're not harsh at all. That's what the Bible says. Look over in Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, as Paul was rehearsing his story, in Acts chapter 26, I want you to notice what he said here. As he talked about what his work was going to be and what God wanted him to do. In verse number 16, as he talked about what happened, he said, 
Uh, the Bible says, but get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I appear to you, re- rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That's what Paul was doing when he went into these cities, delivering people from darkness to light. And maybe we need to start thinking about sin in that manner, from darkness to light. Sometimes the way our world views things is just so casual in nature. But the Bible says, Paul said that he was delivering people from darkness to light, opening up their eyes from the dominion to be delivered from the dominion of Satan to God. Think about that for a moment. As you think about opportunities to share the gospel, that there are people in the world, and it's not just those who are living this lifestyle. Please don't mistake me with that. You can name all the different sins that are out there that need to be delivered from the domain, the dominion of darkness, the dominion of the devil to God. This is what this is all about. Homosexuality is just one of the sins the devil has snared so many in. And brothers and sisters, the gospel is a solution. Somebody may say, well, how do you talk to someone who may be living this type of lifestyle? Well, what do you mean? I talk to them the same way that I talk to everybody else when I sit down and have a Bible study with them. I've been using this question recently when I talk to people in a Bible study. I, w- I like to begin with this question now. If Jesus is the Son of God, will you be willing to submit to him no matter what? That's a big question. And it's a question that people really need to think about. But if Jesus is the Son of God, and somebody says, I'm going to submit to him no matter what, then when it comes to this topic of homosexuality, or if it comes to the topic of marriage and divorce, we get nervous about that. There's no need to get nervous about that. God's in control. God has given us a standard, and if we're truly going to submit to him, we're going to submit to him no matter what that may be. And that's how I approach no matter what a person may be engaged in in their lifestyle as we're studying the word of God. They need to know the gospel. They need to know that they will have to repent, that they will have to change, and that's how we approach it. We approach it the same way as we talk to, to anyone. I don't always know what a person's struggles may be or sinful behaviors they may have, but as I talk to them, I'm just going to approach it the same way. That's what I've done in the past. That's what I will continue to do. I want people to know Jesus died for them so that they could be delivered from their sins. And that's exactly what people need. And what we need to remember, brothers and sisters, is that the truth, we have it. We have God's word. And it's not going to change no matter what is endorsed around us in our society. It's not going to change. Let's make sure that we hold on to the truth. And what we believe, it really will have consequences. And we need to believe in God and Jesus and his word, no matter what the consequences may be. And I think sometimes we can focus too much on the negative consequences. Let's focus on the positive ones. Giving glory to God. We're shining our light so others might see him and who he is. We have these opportunities so that we can influence others for good. Focus on the positive things of who we are and what the Bible has to say. The Bible is clear regarding this subject. Let's be sure that we pray for all men. That's what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And let's never be ashamed of who we are in Jesus Christ. Let's share the gospel with all men. Now is a great opportunity. Maybe there's someone in need of salvation today. We'd love to share the gospel with you. Love to talk about and study with you regarding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you're interested... 
we're ready to go. We're ready to study with you. If you need to be saved, you need to be redeemed, you need to be justified, you need to be washed, now is the day of salvation. And you can be delivered from all your past sins and be a new creature in Christ. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.